The coral reefs of Australia are bright and colorful places of happiness for all kinds of fish and sea critters. But there's always danger lurking around every corner. One surly cephalopod has a habit of hypnotizing its prey and tricking its rivals with fancy flashes. The cuttlefish is simultaneously a dangerous predator and a master con artist. But being one of the smartest invertebrates has its advantages and helps it survive here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about another misnamed sea creature with a sneaky nature. But more on that later. Yes, we're just all about misnamed creatures. Well, there's just a lot of misnamed animals in the water. Yeah, everything's a fish. Because thousands of years ago, they're just like, hey, look at that thing in the water. It's a fish. <laughs> and then now we know better than them. Thompson fell in the water. What should we do? Nothing. He's a fish. Now. No, nothing nothing is do. a fish. We should capture him in our nets. <laughs> uh, Sell him by the pound. But what we're talking about today is the giant cuttlefish. Mm hmm. Otherwise. It's not a fish. No, it's not, it's not a fish at all. But it's also known as the Australian giant cuttlefish for reasons that should be apparent. Um, but since it's so misnamed, you might think. You, you might you'd be justified in believing that it actually doesn't live in Australia, but it does. But we're going to call it here the the sneaky snuggle squid. Nice. The heavy-lidded henry. And the dastardly damp squid. <laughs> What's a damp squid? A, well, a damp squib, the bee, is a phrase. That What is that from? It's from it's a, it's from the la very last episode of IT Crowd. That's right. <laughs> a, a damp squib is means a situation where everyone already knows what's being said or talked about. Like this whole situation is a damp squib. I've literally never heard another human being outside of that show use this term, but it it, it is a real term. Maybe it's um, an British thing. May, maybe, but yeah, it is dastardly and also damp. So sweet. But how about you taxonomize this guy for us? Well, it's in the kingdom you know, love, and are in the kingdom Animalia. It's in the phylum Mollusca, not Chordata. I always forget that it's like, I always want to put phylum Cephalopoda. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely the phylum. It's like, no, this is a mollusk. This it's is a an, snail. It's an advanced snail. <laughs> uh, it's in the class Cephalopoda. Do you know what that means? Headfoot. Yeah, it just means something whose arms and feet come out of their head. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the snails are gastropods, so they're gastropoda, so they're stomach foots. That's true. That sounds like a hobbit name. <laughs> Proud foots and stomach foots. They're in the order Sepiidae. Sepiida. They don't add the E until the family. Sepiid Sepiada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, the family, you're right, is Sepi... Sepia day, uh, and the genus is Sepia, which means, which is funny, because it, we'll talk about why later, um, and the subgenus is Sepia. Did you see that coming? No, you didn't. I didn't. Uh, it's in the species Apama, Sepia Apama. 
giant cuttlefish, Sepia opama. So it's like, it sounds like a South American fruit with a really common Instagram filter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you haven't been on Instagram in a while. Oh, do they not do that anymore? There's not that much in the way of sepia filters anymore. No more borders either. I've missed so much. I will. Uh, I need, I really need to freshen up. Do you though? I feel like no. now's a better, as good a time as any to not go on social media. <laughs> You're right about that. But since we're in the business of naming things other than Instagram, uh, it's time for my favorite part of the show. And that part of the show is critter groups. Uh, this part of the show is where I ask Joe a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? Or what is the name of the collective noun for this animal? Or what is the term of venery for this animal? And um, cuttlefish don't like each other very much. They don't really hang out in groups. So we're going to take it one step back and talk about squid. Because we have, I think we've done one squid on this show. It's the very first episode, the Humboldt squid. So we have not done a critter groups. Critter groups is younger than that. So um, we can uh, let's see if we can get this. So if you saw a bunch of squid together, uh, would you say, "Hey, look at that squish of squid"? I hope so, but I don't think so. B, look at that dazzle of squid. C, look at that shoal. Of squid, or D. Look at that latch of squid. Shoal. Final answer. Is it that obvious? Ding, ding, well, ding. Well, I know You're shoal. Correct. I know for a fact that shoal is a group of. I think dolphins. No, that's a pot. That <laughs> <laughs> shoal is like something I've heard as a group in the in the water. Oh, should I gone with school? I've never heard it definitively with squid, but. I knew shoal was a thing. If I was the, the pi- last one was tantalizing. If I was if I would pick one, it would be dazzle. Yeah, I know. That's why I didn't <laughs> pick that. <laughs> uh, th- that's what I would have named it, like, because they they all. Well, we'll talk about it later. How about you tell us what us what a cuttlefish looks like, specifically the giant cuttlefish, but um, my the major fact's going to cover cuttlefish in general. Okay, so. Uh, cuttlefish look sort of like an, a short-armed octopi, or an oct- a short-armed octopus with large mantles. So it's like, in the cephalopoda ratio, it's a lot of cephala and not as much poda as an octopus. <laughs> too, too much cephala, if you ask me. <laughs> um, oh, don't, don't compliment him too much. He's going to get a huge cephala. <laughs> with a, with a pinch of poda. <laughs> Giant cuttlefish have flat fins that surround their mantles um, that allow them to swim around and it helps with locomotion. Unlike an octopus, cuttlefish usually swim around horizontally with their arms out in front of them uh, or behind them. So they they spend less uh, vertical time. You know, are you picturing this? Yeah, most most squid use like jet. Yeah, when they're squid, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm I'm comparing it to the look of an octopus though. Okay, Octop- yeah, octopus oct- yeah, octopuses. They like to crawl around on the ground or use yeah, you use the jet. Yeah. way to to escape. But these guys move more more like traditional fish. Uh but they ain't fish. Ha- uh they do have relatively large eyes though, and those eyes have long horizontal pupils. 
They look really weird. Yeah, it's like a like a squiggly line. They look people. They look almost asleep all the time. That yeah, kind of condescending. <laughs> like squinty eyed. Yeah, this is like, like they're giving the, you the stink eye. The Squidward should have been a cuttlefish. That would have been good. Cuttlefish word. <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful, I know, but I think it would have been worth it to preserve the integrity of the show. So, uh, with a name like Giant, it has to be big, right? So let's talk about size. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions and relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words measure up into LDTaxonomy at gmail.com. We do have a new Measure Up <laughs> intro from Cassie. Uh, Cassie uh, does music on Spotify and YouTube under the name... Cassie Michelle, and uh, you're probably hearing some of that right now while I'm talking. And guess what? I heard it, and it's good. Und good for you. <laughs> it's very a, good. It's a deep cut. All right, let's hear it. Thanks. I, I'm I'm excited. I always love new measure ups. Uh, this is to curb your enthusiasm. Uh, this is not a musical measure up, but it is. Um, it is enthusiastic. Oh, oh, okay. I thought they were. I thought it was a musical measure up. It is not. Okay. But, but I'm 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 also excited for new measure ups. Anyway. Okay. Good. Uh, without further ado, the listeners' favorite part of the show. Measure up. I like it. It was uh, enthusiastic. <laughs> yes. It's good. It's good. Very good. That was uh, that, that we need that kind of energy. That's a, it's always good to have high energy. We've had a lot of good high energy ones. Yeah. This one this one is the the best in recent memory. Especially yeah. since a lot of the recent memory has weird animal sounds in it. The the John Cena one oh, that's gave, right. that's gave awesome. me heart palpitations. <laughs> <laughs> uh but thank you, Cassie. Uh, yeah, thank you. Let's get into length. Cuttlefish are about can be up to fifty centimeters or twenty inches in length. The giant cuttlefish. Yes, not just any cuttlefish. The bigger, bigger ones. How many patu digua spiders go into the length of the giant cuttlefish? That's not fair. Here's a hint. It's not fair. <laughs> the patu digua is thought to be the smallest spider in the world. Okay, that helps. But there might be a smaller spider in Africa called Anapistula seasula or caesula. Uh, the female of that species is slightly larger than the patu, but the male has never been seen before, and male spiders are usually smaller than female spiders. Hmm. So there might be a smaller spider out there. So it's the male's so small that pe- he's, he might be everywhere, but nobody sees him. <laughs> he's indetectable. Uh, so he's what? like He's like oh, Merlin man. the Magician when he turns into a disease in the... Uh, in the sword and the stone. Yes, he still has a very loud voice, but his body is little. Yeah, um, as as spiders are wont to do. That's really that's probably a really really tiny spider, like smaller than a, the ghost ants that crawl across my desk every once in a while. Ghost ants are small. I have oh man, that's got to be. You say fifty centimeters? Uh, I did fifty centimeters, twenty inches. Okay, we're probably gonna have to go with centimeters because we're getting we're getting down to the nitty gritty here, and mm-hmm. in in. Inches the smallest unit of imperial measurement. So, probably going to have to go with one millimeter. It's probably in the nanometers, but or micrometers, or I don't know what. But we're going to go with one millimeter. And this is uh, 50 centimeters. 
So if it's one millimeter, that means ten of them go into a centimeter, which means um, it's got it, it's got to be smaller than a millimeter. I'm gonna say a thousand. A thousand spiders? No, five hundred. I'll stick with my millimeter thing. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say a thousand a thousand spider. Oh, sorry, five hundred spiders. Uh, five hundred sp- spiders go into the length of a giant cuttlefish. The correct answer was one thousand three hundred and thirty-three. Ugh, darn it. Why do I stick to my guns when I'm so wrong? Patu Digua is 0.015 inches or 0.3 millimeters. Oh, I almost, yeah, the thousand would have, I, I was going to be like, oh, it's half a millimeter probably. Um, and that would have gotten me a lot closer. That would have been, yeah. It's mm. not, it's a little smaller than half, but yeah. I, um, I should have second guessed myself. Okay, let's, maybe you can redeem yourself on the weight. There are like 10. 5 kilograms or 23 pounds. How many square feet of micro lattice, the world's lightest metal material, go into the weight of a giant cuttlefish? How many what? Square feet? Square feet of micro lattice. So here's a hint. Uh, Boeing invented micro lattice to be strong and light. Micro lattice is, is it's kind of like a sponge of interconnected nickel that is thinner than human hair. The, the, the sheet? Yeah. So it's not... If you look at a picture of it, it looks kind of like a um, like an organized Brillo pad. Like it's a it's like a weaving. Brillo of metal. pads are so notoriously disorganized. Yeah, well, you so can't the, hire them for anything. If you look at this, you'll realize what I mean by an organized Brillo pad. <laughs> <laughs> so, just so you know, nickel's not even the lightest metal. Lithium is. Metallic lithium is the lightest metal, but. Doesn't this, have the structural integrity. It probably doesn't, no. All right, so square foot, a foot by a foot. Fruit by the foot is, okay, I'm picturing it. About like it's, it's a, if you could draw a square around a, the average dinner plate, it's kind of where where we stand. Yeah, that's fair. And, um, man, I'm bad with weight. That's why I, I try to run and go to the gym. <laughs> an ounce? Should I go with an ounce? Should I, the dreaded ounce. The dreaded ounce? Probably not. I'm going to go with... Um, a third of an ounce because because okay. an ounce is apparently the heaviest unit of measurement known to man like <laughs> an ounce of something could kill a man so um an ounce of neutron star could that's that's because it's really hot um so that means 48 go into a pound it sounds like not enough but we'll go with it and since it's 23 pounds we're gonna go. We're gonna go with one thousand one hundred. Actually, 1, I'm gonna go with one thousand three hundred, just because that was the answer to the last one. One thousand one hundred. No, one thousand three hundred square feet of micro lattice. Yeah. The correct answer is four thousand ninety-nine oh. square feet of micro lattice. Wow, that is light stuff. So it's M- like uh, micro lattice is two grams per square foot. How many ounces is that? Do you know? I don't know what it ounces, but it is 0.00561 pounds per square foot. When it comes to really, really small and light things, it would really behoove me to learn the metric system a little bit better. <laughs> That's true. It, I it, mean, it is easier I, to do the math as well. Well, the math is the easy part. It's the estimation that I don't have because I don't, I don't interact with it very much. One, if I could estimate it, then the math is easy because it's the metric system. Yeah, I knew that this time, because you're so imperial about it, <laughs> I knew that going with tiny things would be difficult. Well, basically, going with anything is difficult. I'm shooting for the stars here. <laughs> I'm just just being dragged along. But 
isn't that crazy that a basically a mansion's worth of floor space or like a decent house's worth of floor space is the same weight as a giant cuttlefish fish when it comes to micro lattice yeah that's crazy it's probably really expensive material too yeah i think you can buy it because when i was googling it everyone was like how much is it where can i buy it or maybe you can't and that's what people are asking but that's all i got for measure up okay would you like to hear some fast facts? I can't find where I can't find it for sale. So dang, we could have bought some. Uh, also, before we finish measure up, uh, I said that some rando I I emailed him and uh, to ask if he wanted to be get a shout out based on his email name, uh, and he said yes <laughs> later. So his name is Mindset Reframed. I tried to find if that was like a YouTube channel or a podcast, but I don't know. There's a nice little picture of it, and I don't know what it is, but that's him. Mindset reframed. Yes. It sounds good. It sounds enlightening. It does, it does sound enlightening. So uh, thanks for mind, thanks to Mindset Reframed, a.k.a. some rando, for the, measure up. the John Cena measure up. Yeah, for, uh, for giving me I nightmares. mention that when you mentioned it. Uh, but... Are you ready uh, for I, some fast facts? I thought I found where how much metallic micro lattice structures would cost, but what I really found was a book called Mel- Metallic <laughs> Micro Lattice Structures. It's <laughs> that worth, costs like twenty two dollars. Because I was like, no way! It's like nine dollars and eighteen cents. Shipping free <laughs> with Amazon Prime. I could buy the most the craziest material ever. Anyway, sorry, we can stop talking about it. Um, <laughs> let's get into the fast facts before the major fact. Cuttlefish live for up to two years, and their main goal is to blow up and then act like they don't know nobody. I mean, their main goal is to survive and mate in the winter. Okay, what was... No, no. <laughs> it's a meme. You wouldn't understand. I wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> is, it, is that one of the Instagram memes? I think it was a Vine meme. Do they put that on the Instagram? I've seen it on Instagram. Not recently. So it's kind of in your wheelhouse. It's an old meme. It's a dead meme. If it's not a Rage comic, then I don't... I've, I haven't, oh, okay. I haven't seen You're it. way farther back than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not Bad Luck Brian, then it, I don't know it. Anyway, continue. Um, females are polyandrous. Do you know what that means? I think you've mentioned it before. That's like having multiple mates? Yeah. It means they will take multiple mates, which helps to maximize their chances of reproduction. Uh, females lay eggs on rocks or in like little caves, uh, which then hatch uh, three to five months later. Imagine having a gestation time that could be half as long as the minimum. So like it would be like for a human to be like, well, you could give birth in nine months or it might be in like four months <laughs> or, or might be tomorrow might be nine months from now who knows <laughs> but it doesn't matter because the, the cuttlefish parents are not there to find out because they die right after mating uh right after the cuttlefish spawn they kick the bucket similar in the go to the way of the salmon uh hmm. f- for the most part they uh cuttlefish spawn in pairs or in small groups uh, they break up into small groups. Discuss the word. I mean, to to spawn. Uh, <laughs> two two very different things. Yeah, 
however, there is a famous snorkeling spot in South Australia called Point Lowly, where cuttlefish aggregate in spawning groups that can be as large as 10 individuals. Whoa, 10. 10 whole ones, yeah. And people like to go and snorkel with them. That's cool. I want to do that. So we don't know much about juvenile... Oh, well, I'm not getting in the water in South Australia. Or, or actually, I think it's North Australia where the box jellies are. No, that was Western Australia. Western, yeah. That was off the coast of... That was off the Gold Coast. Off the but Perth. between Great Whites and box jellies... You're fine. Great Whites aren't that, aren't that much of a, a danger to you as long as you don't um, pretend Going like on. you're a seal. I always... What's the point of swimming then? Yeah, I, I mean, I know it's going to be hard for you, but you really have to work on not being a not, seal. Not just, being a seal? Just for at least like the 30 minutes that you're snorkeling or whatever. I love to bark and clap. What am I What am I supposed to do? You're, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be your downfall or you're just not going to be able to participate in the activity. Those are my two standard emotes. <laughs> um, <laughs> bark so and we clap. Do, speaking of emotes. Those are sea lions anyway. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> That's true. Uh, So we don't know much about juveniles after they leave the spawning grounds, and they haven't posted any strategy guides for how they make it to adulthood. So we're not really sure. It was funny. Ten ten ways to make it to adulthood? Here's here's how to 10x your survival rate. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, a video game walkthrough, but, okay, we could also do, like, a TED Talk type thing. I was just reading the life cycle and it was just like we don't know the juvenile cuddles fishes strategies for survival and I'm like okay oh that's a funny word you have to pick up the estes shards <laughs> bottlenose dolphins like to eat giant cuttlefish but they don't like getting they don't like eating ink or cuddle bones which are hard internal shells so when your food has two things you don't like what do you do you don't eat you, it no Oh. You figure out a way around it. Oh, so I, I dolphins. Don't eat it. Dolph- <laughs> Dolph- dolphins are braver than me. Uh, dolphins also like live in the ocean, which is like there's there's large parts of it where there's nothing in it, and they yeah. have to eat something. So they're they're gonna do something special. So they figured out a way to drain the ink from a cuttlefish and then tear out the cuttle bone before eating it. I was going to read directly from an article about this, but it was brutal, and the terminology was unsettling but basically (laughs) they poke they boop them into the ground until they spray out the ink they basically squeeze well first of all they kill them first so they're not being tortured usually uh they they kill them how do you think they kill them not by eating them they're not putting that stuff in their mouth they don't want it a mouthful of ink they kill them with their tails they smack them with their tails breaking their cuddle bone uh and that just kills them immediately I guess so. It kills, or eventually, but that's how they deal the blow. But then they they will like assume a vertical position and poke them into the the sea floor until they squirt out all their ink, and then they rub them up against the sea floor until they can like remove the cuddle bone. It's like me trying to get all the ketchup out of a ketchup. They fillet them essentially, yeah, and then. Yeah, first they squish the squish the ketchup out of them, and then they fillet them to get the cuddle bone out, and then they chomp down on this pulverized caviar. Oh, they actually uh, prepare their food. Yes, they're the the article said they are no now known as the chefs of the ocean because 
this. And I'm like, no, they're not. You just said that. That's it. You, they're not known as that. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know them as that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I don't know them, then it's not true. Um, cuttle, cuttlefish are colorblind, but it's thought that they may be able to see the linear polarization of light. You know who else can do that? Bugs? No, um, the mantis shrimp. Oh, the, no, the mantis shrimp can see, like, three colors we can't oh, see. Oh, y- that's true. That's true, too. Okay. But they can also see the linear linear polarization of light. And then the only animal that's, that's like, we're pretty dang sure they can. But the cuttlefish may be another animal that can. But that's all I got in the way of fast facts. I was uh, watching the Disney Nature Dolphin Reef documentary on Disney+. Plus. And uh, there's just a whole segment about a cuttlefish and a mantis shrimp uh, facing off. The mantis shrimp makes a is a is a huge uh, character because he's he's like this fussy busybody who's constantly trying to keep his his area uh, all nice and neat, and everyone keeps messing it up. <laughs> Disney loves to give these Personify. like yeah anthropomorphic characteristics to their. Um, to these animals all right so let's talk about the major fact so many cephalopods are armed with special cells called chromatophores and you probably remember this if you've listened to our uh humboldt squid and mimic octopus episodes and i'm trying to think of other ones but those are the only two i can think of um i think they're the only two cephalopods we've done oh no wait the um the Argonaut is another cephalopod, but we haven't um, done an octopus. Yeah, we did the mimic octopus and the, oh, that's the, right. the Argonauts an octopus as well. Very true. Um, but yeah, the Humboldt squid and the mimic octopus they can they have chromatophores. And just as a refresher, these are cells that have um, different pigments in them. So um, at any given time, these animals have um, all the pigments that they could possibly produce. Uh, on you know on their skin so if they want to be you know let's say brown all they'll make it so that all of their brown cells will expand and all of the cells that are different colors will contract so that it changes their color all you see is brown um, if they want to be silver or cream colored or something like that then those cells will expand and the other and the brown ones or whatever will will contract so that's how it's not actually giving off light um but it can uh these primarily um cephalopods can can do this relatively quickly change the their 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 cells so that they can camouflage and all kinds of things and for the most part they use it to camouflage and to communicate with other members of their species like the humboldt squid and the mimic octopus but the cuttlefish just both of those things and adds a little bit of extra spice on top. So the the cuttlefish can change colors like really fast. I mean, you've seen I've seen you can like see a video where they pick up an octopus and then they catch an octopus that's like red and then they throw it onto the um the deck of a white boat and then it, like it hits the boat and it's white immediately. Um which is crazy, but the the cuttlefish can create flashing strobe patterns that like run across their body like they're a they're a that little candy cane thing outside of a barber shop <laughs> crossed with like a electronic dance music party or something the first way that they use this ability to strobe like this is to catch prey 
Um, in some cases, they will camouflage as staghorn coral or just coral that sticks up. Uh, elkhorn coral also does that. Um, and then they'll they'll take their, their arms and kind of fan them out and then turn that shade of yellow or tan or red or whatever um, so that they can blend in with the coral around uh, so that they can get closer to their prey, um, which is pretty interesting. It's kind of like the mimic octopus where it uses its arms. It puts them in positions to pretend to be other animals. Um, but in other cases, it will put on this dazzling strobe light display um, and it'll flash from kind of like um, white or cream color to dark brown. And this actually hypnotizes small fish and crustaceans. And when I was watching this documentary, it hypnotized the uh, mantis shrimp, or at least they cut it to make it look like they were hypnotizing the mantis shrimp. <laughs> um, but um, it definitely did that with uh, what looked like a blue crab or something like that. That's interesting because they think that because they can see this, um, that there's also something that like maybe can play with the polarization of light in their skin. So it's possible that <laughs> the the shrimp and the cuttlefish can both see something we can't see. That, oh, I'm and, sure they can. Uh, like, and that, that cuttlefish might be communicating with each other based on the stuff that we can't see. These uh, ultra-visual light frequencies. Um, yeah, so, like, they'll, they'll put on this display, and then, I mean, in the documentary, the crabs just kind of... S- s- like he, he he doesn't move. He should run away, but he doesn't. His feet won't let him. Um, and the the cuttlefish is just slowly floating toward him with this hypnotizing aura. And then it just uh, you know takes two arms and grabs him and sucks him into his mouth. So uh, that's terrifying. So yeah, they use these. They use their ability to change colors quickly to um, hypnotize their prey. But the second way that they use their chromatophores is in mating situations. So females and males uh, typically use distinct patterns. Uh, females have tend to have a, a mottled, patchy exterior, um, while males have a, a, a tight, striped pattern. But not all cuttlefish are created equal. Some males are larger than others, and usually you, the bigger ones can bully the smaller ones out of being able to mate. Um, like you said, you, they, they pair off. So if a smaller one is paired off with a female, a bigger one can, can just come in and take that female from him. So what do the small males do? Well, it might be obvious, but they cross-dress. A sneaky beta male will place himself between the female and the alpha. So he might have the alpha on his right... I almost said right-hand side. His right... His right... Armed. Armed side. Can't say tentacle. It's not a tentacle. Right fin. Right, yeah. Right fin side and then the um, the female on his left fin side. And the side that's facing the male, um, he will have that striped... Pa- or he'll, he'll, he'll have the blotchy um, modeled pattern of a female. And the side that's facing the female, he'll have the striped pattern of the male. And if you look at this, it's crazy because it's like it's divided right down the middle. It's his... It's his uh, stark as as um as as iron man um and so what the male sees is two ladies hanging out just they're fine they're innocent look at them hanging out over there now i've got the 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 alpha male is probably like hey look now i got two females i'm 
I'm I'm rolling it. This is going great. <laughs> um, and then the female's like, hey, look at this small male that's showed up. Maybe uh, you know he's a he's a candidate because like as you said, they um, they mate with multiple males to increase their likelihood of fer- fertilization. So the the sneaky male will use this to buy himself time um, so that he can put on his mating display and, and which is usually having to do with the pattern of stripes in their movement um, to convince her to to mate but this is it's a tricky it's a tricky situation because it, they only tend to do this when there's one rival male because then because he can always keep himself between the male and the female but if there's another rival male he's it's going to be a lot more difficult to make sure that neither rival male can see this ruse so um because if the ruse is discovered then the sneaky male will be attacked and will lose all chances of mating with that female so um and also probably be injured so in a bunch of studies that uh researchers did they found that it was a lot more common in situations where there was one rival male. So yeah, that's the that's the cuttlefish. It's actually one of it has the highest brain to body ratio in any um, invertebrate. So it's for all in- intents and purposes uh, one of the most intelligent invertebrates in the world. A lot of it is devoted to vis- vision, and visual stuff. Yeah, they have really complicated eyes that look disinterested and condescending and sleepy. Same. Do you? No. Oh. <laughs> That's all I got. Same. All right. Awesome. Uh, so for you, that was the uh, giant cuttlefish. Uh, for you out there in Podcastia, turn on the lights, dazzle the one you love, and uh, think creatively like the cuttlefish here in life, death, and taxonomy. <laughs> Good. And with that, that was our 130th episode. We close out the 13th season of the show. But fret not. We'll be right back next week with yet another 10 awesome animals that you desperately need to know about. But first, we'd like to take a minute to thank some of the people that have helped make this little podcast what it is. First, I'd like to sincerely thank everyone who said in a Measure Up intro. I know I give the segment a lot of grief, I mean, it gives me a lot of grief. But hearing the voice of someone who enjoys the show and seeing the effort they put in really means a lot to us. So thank you. I'd also like to thank those who left a review for the show since our last season ended. We have two this season from Hello and No and Jeremiah4810 is the username. And it's a pretty great and powerful verse. Uh, If you just left some stars in the rating, thank you as well. Uh, We don't have your username, but... um, Still, it, it really means a lot. It helps us rank in the uh, Apple Podcast algorithm. I'd also definitely like to thank Brian, or we'd like to thank Brian, for his uh, incredible abil- 